Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Deb Johnston to answer your medical questions. Dr. Johnston's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Johnston. Good morning, Laura. It's good to be here with you. Well, our Prairie Doc topic this week, Dr. Johnston, is focusing on back pain. Back pain, yes. I think it'll be a good show. You know, it's such a common problem um, and you know, there's there's a lot of treatment options that we didn't have maybe 10 years ago. We'll talk a little about them, and but the fundamentals are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, that exercise, staying active, keeping your back strong and flexible and your ab muscles strong and flexible. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be a good show. Yeah. You mentioned in your essay that 80% of people will experience back pain at some point in their lives. Isn't that a stunning number? Yes. Yeah. So many of us listening might have questions about this Absolutely. or have a, a situation you'd like to talk more about here on the radio um, or have or Dr. Johnston else. talk about. Yes, or any other medical questions. So we're going to go to our first break shortly and give you a chance to call in with your questions. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK. And on our podcast, call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Tobacco can lead to tobacco, nicotine dependence, and serious health problems. Quitting smoking has immediate as well as long-term benefits for you and your loved ones. Make the decision to be smoke-free. Stopping smoking is associated with many health benefits. If you smoke, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. That's 784-8669. Or call the Avera Medical Group Brookings for help to quit smoking today. 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. Dr. Johnston, we have a question. An 82-year-old female who had cataract surgery about 10 years ago. She started seeing quarter-sized white circles and is seeing them all the time now. What are they? You know, that's a good question. Um, There are a lot of possibilities. The first thing that comes to mind is that in most cataract surgeries, um, there's kind of a skin around the lens that holds your natural lens in place. And many times when they do that cataract surgery, they will leave that back skin in place to kind of help hold the new lens in place, especially as the things are healing. But over time, there can get to be some scarring in that back lens. So a lot of people end up having a little laser surgery to break up that 
back skin and get rid of that scarring and clear the vision up again. But of course, there's also the possibility that there's something going on in the retina, um, a scarring in the retina or a detachment in the retina, although usually that presents more with flashing lights. The fundamental answer to her question is she should go back in and see her eye doctor and uh, have them take a good look at the back of the back of her eye and uh, everything in front of the back of the eye, her uh, lens or cornea, the fluid in between um, that and the back of the eye and get an answer in her particular situation about what this is and what can be done about it. Yeah, absolutely. This reminds me, we had um, Dr. Knudsen on a couple weeks ago. It was oh, a great excellent. show yeah. to hear um, him share. And then, of course, we covered um, ophthalmology then that week on the television show, yes. too. So. So it's all, it's a great topic. Uh, the eye Absolutely. is a great topic, and so much to think about. But yes, like you said, when something changes great idea to just go in and let an and eye doctor check that out. Yep, absolutely. There's, I always, I, for many of my patients, when they come in to see me either for a physical or sometimes a blood pressure check or a diabetes check, I will take my little handheld device and look in the back of their eye. But what I always tell my patients is, you know, what I'm doing, I'm peeking through the keyhole here. Mm -hmm. I can't see a whole lot, and, um, you know, it's hard to kind of interpret. But when you go to the eye doctor and they dilate your eyes and they use that big slit lamp to look in the back, they're opening the door and sticking their head in. So they really see a whole lot more. And, you know, we should all be going to the eye doctor. Uh, all adults should be going to the eye doctor at least every couple of years. Um, glaucoma, for example, often has no symptoms. You don't know that your eye is being damaged. It happens so slowly that you may not really notice that. Uh, so you really need to go into the eye doctor. They need to check the pressure in your eyes. Um, you should go to someone who dilates your eyes at least you know, periodically and uh, not just someone who, you know, says which is clearer one or two and doesn't check the pressure and that I know s that's um, that kind of service is available and sometimes for young people that's okay to get your new glasses but uh, most of us need a more thorough eye exam at least periodically. Yeah, good reminder. Thank you. Excellent. Well, we are talking about um, back pain this week in the Prairie Doc world. And yes. uh, before the break, we talked about how incredibly common it is. Uh, tell us about the television show you have planned for tomorrow night. So we have uh, Dr. Matthew Wingate, who is an orthopedic surgeon with uh, Orthopedic Institute, and he'll be joining us. Uh, and uh, Chuck McCullough, who's one of our physical therapists here at the uh, clinic, was kind enough to kind of step in last minute. Our um, originally planned guest uh, had an unavoidable last-minute conflict, so Dr. Shake won't be able to join us, and uh, Chuck was just so kind to say, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go in and help, and I really appreciate that. And honestly, physical therapy is often an incredibly important part of treating back pain, um, whether it's chronic back pain or acute back pain. Uh, getting people stronger and more flexible is um, almost always 
an important step in getting better from your back pain. And keeping up with those exercises is really important to um, prevent recurrence of back pain or minimize the recurrence of back pain. Uh, Dr. Wingate's skill set's a little different. You know, he, uh, he um, obviously has skills to help us treat back pain, and not all of those skills involve a scalpel. Yes. Uh, but uh, the surgeons uh, can't help everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, not every case of back pain is going to respond to surgery. In fact, it's kind of a minority of people that are going to get benefit from surgery. So uh, it's really important uh, not to think, well, I'm going to have back surgery and that's what's going to fix me uh, because that's not the right answer for most people. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, You talk in your essay about most acute back pain getting better in four to six weeks. What can we do during those four to six weeks to help find some relief and help with the healing process. The healing process. Uh, so staying active. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to start training for a marathon in that in that time frame. And uh, obviously your pain is going to limit a lot of what you can do. But, you know, back in the old days, even before I started practicing, sometimes they would recommend bed rest for people with back pain. Mm. And now we know that that's probably one of the worst things we could have told people to do. Uh, So temperature therapy can be helpful. A heating pad can be helpful. Uh, Ibuprofen or Aleve, medicines like that. Now, not everybody can take those medications. They can be hard on the kidneys, and uh, some people have allergies. Some people have bleeding issues. Um, But if you can take those medicines, taking them can be helpful. Uh, Tylenol can be helpful, although it doesn't have quite as good a evidence behind it for back pain as the anti-inflammatories do, sometimes muscle relaxants, uh, sometimes manipulation, either with your chiropractor or physical therapist sometimes will do manipulation. Some osteopathic physicians will do manipulation. Uh, That can be helpful. Um, You know, there's all kinds of modalities, ultrasound and those things that that some people find give them some relief. a heating pad, <laughs> you know, that's a good thing. And uh, be patient. It's going to get better for the vast majority of us. Uh, so you mentioned a heating pad, and heat is better than cold? You know, um, the studies suggest that heat is better than okay. cold. And I think for most people, especially as an injury goes on, they find that heat is more helpful than cold. Um, but it is one of those things where you can try and see if you think that cold feels better and lets you be more active. I have absolutely no objection to people using cold packs. Sure. And you mentioned anti-inflammatories and um for some of us who aren't in medicine, we kind of yeah. think ibuprofen, Tylenol, what, what's the difference? Okay. So can you go into that? Like when do Absolutely. we want ibuprofen? When do we want, or Tylenol, or what's the difference? So uh, non anti-inflammatory medicines are things like uh, ibuprofen, uh, also sold as Motrin and Advil, uh, Aleve, um, generic name Naprosyn. Um, there's a whole bunch of prescription versions of these medicines. Some people maybe um, are familiar with medications like Celebrex uh, or um, Meloxicam, Paroxicam, Mobig. Can't remember the generic brand name for Paroxicam now. Um, so they act 
in a particular fashion in the body and the idea is that they help reduce inflammation in addition to helping with pain. Tylenol is a unique medication. It acts in a different fashion to relieve pain and it doesn't have the same uh, set of kind of secondary consequences to the the body. It is not as potentially hard on the kidneys. It does not cause the GI distress that the anti-inflammatory medicines can, the potential for ulcers, uh, doesn't increase the risk of bleeding as much, doesn't put extra stress on the heart, um, cause fluid retention. So for most people in most situations, I actually recommend Tylenol as a first-line therapy because for the vast majority of us, it is significantly safer. And for many people, it it does just fine. Um, Other people find that one of the anti-inflammatories are more effective, uh, and that's okay. Um, And certainly in a situation like back pain where we have better data for it. um, As a general rule, I recommend people try Tylenol first, uh, save the less safe option uh, for if the Tylenol doesn't work for you. Uh, For most of us, it's no big deal if we take a dose of ibuprofen once in a while. People who are taking ibuprofen and Aleve and those kinds of medications on a regular basis, I always like to keep an eye on their kidney function. Um, So if I know somebody is, if I have them on a prescription that they take every day, I try to check their kidney function at least once a year or twice a year, um, both in terms of checking their blood tests to see how well their kidneys are cleaning the waste product out of their blood. And being a little bit OCD about kidneys, uh, I also like to check a urine test at least once a year. That lets me look at the kidneys in a different way. Are they getting leaky? Are they letting things out that I want them to keep in? So I keep a pretty close eye on people's kidneys if I know that they're taking those anti-inflammatory medicines on a regular basis. And um, it's important for us to remember that just because something is over the counter, doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, risk-free. You Mm. know, we need to be aware of those and keep an eye on those things, too. Okay. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Frostbite is a type of injury caused by freezing. It leads to a loss of feeling and color in the areas it affects, usually extremities, such as the nose, ears, cheeks, chin, fingers, and toes. Frostbite can permanently damage the body, and severe cases can lead to amputation. Frostbite should be checked by a health care provider. Call 697-9500 to see your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to answer our medical questions. If you have a question, give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. So we were talking about acute back pain that often, 
it'll get better in four to six weeks. Uh, Sometimes it just takes time for us to heal and get things back on track. What if we aren't getting better in four to six weeks, if we're still experiencing some back pain? So those are the times when, and and that is certainly a common thing. I Mm -hmm. see a lot of people with chronic back pain, which can be such a difficult thing to live with. It can affect every aspect of your life. Um, And when people have chronic back pain, it's time to kind of look into things a little more to try to um, be a little more aggressive in how we treat them. So if they haven't done therapy, uh, that's often a therapeutic step that I do to send people to physical therapy to work on their flexibility and their strength. And, um, you know, it's certainly a time to reevaluate. Maybe that's somebody who has had issues with back pain in the past and they don't come to the doctor every time they get back pain because, you know, they know the drill. Um, So it's certainly time to kind of sit down and re-examine that person and look for some of those clues about what might be going on. A lot of times we can't put a finger on what exactly is causing this person's back pain. Uh, Like I talk about in the essay, you know, you might feel perfectly fine, but if I did an MRI of your back, I might it might look like a disaster. It might Mm -hmm. have all kinds of problems in it. So finding something on the MRI does not necessarily tell us that this is what's going on. You have to match up the person's symptoms, the pattern of their pain, where the pain goes when it bothers them, all these kinds of things. You have to match that up with what you see. Um, So the MRI is not the thing that's going to tell you what's wrong with your back very rarely Um, but we have certain things that we look for both in the exam and the history and sometimes those things point us towards a particular uh, treatment Um, so that might again might be one of those people who might do better with some surgery Uh, sometimes uh, our interventional Uh, colleagues, the anesthesia people and the rehabilitation people who have additional training uh, might do injections, not necessarily in into the spinal fluid or into the disc, but sometimes even into the joint between some of the bones in the back. If you look at the anybody who has eaten a chicken back, knows how those little bones have so many little different angles and points and connect with each other in multiple places. It's a much more complicated joint than, say, a hip joint or a knee joint. Um, So sometimes they'll do injections that target a particular spot um, and that can be very helpful. There's a a lot of different treatment options. Uh, Usually if I Um, find someone whose back pain isn't getting better and some therapy isn't doing the job, I'll send those folks on. If I'm really suspicious that this is something that's going to have a surgical fix, uh, I'll often send them on to one of the surgeons. I tend to send people on to the rehabilitation specialists um, because they're much better trained than I am at kind of sorting out exactly what's going on and trying to find what the best treatment for that particular person is. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate in your essay when you talked about imaging and how 
you know, as for uh, slave people, it seems like a X-ray or an MRI might be really telling uh, information. But you mentioned that even in I think it was thirty-year-olds, ten percent of people will have abnormalities that probably might have nothing to do with whatever Absolutely. symptoms you're feeling. And as we get older, it's very, very common. Yep. And it might not have anything to yep. do with it. So we have kind of a, a saying, you know, you, you treat the person, not the x-ray. Mm-hmm. And the the x-ray or the MRI can be very helpful. Uh, but I think we all have this mental image of an MRI or a CAT scan or these kinds of things as the the tricorder on Star Trek that that just kind of scans over and gives you the answer. Yes. Um, and it's a long way from that. It, it can be incredibly valuable, yeah. but it's not the final answer the way it's sometimes portrayed. Yeah. We had a question come in from a caller. Uh, is there a treatment for spinal stenosis? Absolutely. Spinal stenosis is a condition where um, there, when you look at the spine, uh, you have all those little bones, uh, and there's a tunnel that goes through that stack of bones, uh, and through that tunnel runs the spinal cord, um, and then periodically between every block in that spinal cord or spinal column um, that spinal cord sends off little shoots it sends off the nerve roots Uh, and in spinal stenosis what is happening is that the tunnel through which that spinal cord goes is getting too tight. Um, Sometimes that is because the cushions between those bones uh, might have um, kind of a weak spot in them and it might, uh, instead of being a nice sized cushion that lines up perfectly, it is pushing in against that. Sometimes it has to do with arthritis. Sometimes it might have to do with uh, weakening of one of those bones so that it kind of crunches Uh, and expands. Um, And that is one of those conditions that is potentially helped by back surgery. So sometimes the surgeons will go in and kind of fix whatever happened and take some of that pressure off. Sometimes it's a matter of a steroid, maybe a steroid injection that uh, can Um, reduce some of the swelling and inflammation around that and and open that back up. Sometimes the body adapts and you may have the same physical space, but the pain gets better. Um, I wish I could tell you that there's a great solution for every patient out there, but sometimes there's not. Sometimes that stenosis is just at too many levels, and uh, we have a hard time addressing that. Sometimes those are people who might uh, benefit from some of the uh, newer, fancier treatments that involve uh, basically... I think most people are familiar with the idea of a TENS unit, which is a little electrical stimulation that you might put on your skin. Uh, There are almost implantable versions of those. We call them spinal column stimulators. Uh, Some people will end up with what we call an intrathecal pump, which is where uh, we deliver medicine directly to the spinal column, and that's something that people have implanted. So there are options. This is exactly the kind of 
situation that is uh, often very helped by my physical medicine and rehabilitation colleagues and my orthopedic surgeon colleagues or neurosurgeons. Neurosurgeons do a lot of back surgery too. They they kind of fight over who gets to do that. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Great. Well, that's good information. Good to know there's there's hope and options. Um, yes, with there's hope and options. Spinal stenosis as well. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We'll get to another question after the break, but if you have a question, call us now at 605 692 1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Influenza has made its appearance. If you have not received a flu shot, get one now. Symptoms of influenza are fever, fatigue, cough, runny nose, body aches, and decreased appetite. Generally, influenza makes you feel much worse than the common cold. If you have questions about influenza, Call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Johnston, we have kind of a couple follow-up questions. Um, The first one being... Uh, Can you get arthritis in your spine? Absolutely, you can. You can get arthritis in any joint, basically. You can get arthritis in your jaw, uh, which is something a lot of people don't think about. But any any place that moves and bears weight, you can get arthritis. And that is absolutely the case in your spine. And common? Is it or Um, not? Yes, I would say it is. You know, it's, again, one of those things that if we take x-rays or do MRIs in people who may have no symptoms at all. Uh, As you get older, more and more of them will have those abnormalities. And one of those abnormalities and one of the common abnormalities is arthritis. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, it's common. Maybe not something that gives people a lot of symptoms or enough symptoms that you know, they they are bothered enough by it to come in and do something or see what they can do, um, but it is extremely common. Okay. And then we had a follow-up question uh, earlier in the program. We were talking about ibuprofen, acetaminophen, kind of comparing yep. some of those. This um, caller is wondering, is acetaminophen dangerous for the kidneys? Or how does it rank compared to other medicines? Acetaminophen is one of the safest pain medications that we have. Uh, acetaminophen is a very safe medicine with one big glaring exception. If you take too much, particularly if you take too much all at once, it can be devastating to the liver. So uh, it is a medicine that is not safe in overdose. I mean, a lot of medicines are not safe if you take too much of them. Um, But that is particularly true for acetaminophen. So uh, you know, where we see this most often is uh, little kids who maybe get hold of bottles of medicine and children like to put everything in their mouths mm-hmm. and will often uh, do that. So you want to keep your acetaminophen locked away from the kids as well. And this is something that we often see with intentional overdoses. And I remember a, a patient who had fallen off a horse when I was in medical school and uh, ended up on a liver transplant list because he had a little too much alcohol. It's not a good combination. Mm-hmm. And he just kept down in the Tylenol. 
wasn't on purpose, but he killed his liver. Mm-hmm. Okay, so be careful with be careful with too that much. Way. Yep. Acetaminophen off, often uh, we think of as Tylenol, right? Yes, the Tylenol tylenol. is the is one of the generic na- or brand names for right. acetaminophen. Okay. Yep. And one more question before we wrap up today: A man has a degenerative disc in his back, and he slipped on the ice. Oh. Would heat, cold, or stretching help? or make it go away. He also has rheumatoid arthritis. Arthritis, okay. So people with rheumatoid arthritis have a bit of a unique situation because uh, they often, particularly in their neck, for example, they often have unstable bones and and we have to be very careful about that for example before surgery uh, when they might get a tube down their throat and that can overextend their spine and cause problems so uh, this is an individual that I'd be maybe a little quicker to do an x-ray on Um, stretching is a great idea uh, and again I would lean towards heat but if this individual found ice felt better. This is a situation where, hey, I'm not going to argue if it feels better to you to do ice than to do heat, you go for it. Um, And don't be afraid to go in and, and get checked out, especially with that extra detail about the rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, Those folks often have had a lot of steroids, prednisone over the years, and that can make their bones weaker. So it's easier for them to end up with a fracture or a crunch, what we call a compression fracture Mm. in their spines. So, um, you know, I'd start with the stretching and the heat. And uh, if things weren't getting better, go in, get checked out. There may be nothing but tincture of time, but particularly for that individual, get checked out. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you for answering all of our questions today, Dr. Johnston. Good job, audience, with all those questions. I love it. And uh, we can all tune in tomorrow night on South Dakota Public Broadcasting at 7 p.m. where Prairie Doc, Deb Johnston, will be discussing back pain Uh, with Chuck McCullen, a physical therapist with Avera Medical Group Brookings, as well as Dr. Matthew Wingate from the Orthopedic Institute. Uh, So we can tune in tomorrow night on SDPB television to learn more and ask our questions about back pain. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow The Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Deb Johnston for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.